as we continue with our theme, are you still in his steps? Are you still in his steps? Today, we want to focus our thought as we look in, in, in verse 7 on a faith that prepares. A faith that prepares. Now, it is good to have Dr. Hunt and Miss Gloria with us today. Um, visiting with us and it is good to have them in our presence and we we just thank God that they chose to come and be a part of our worship service today if you get a chance speak with them I know many of you know them (laughs) so speak with them before you leave today and and just thinking about uh Dr. Hunt being there reminds me uh of the fact that you know people in general will do what they want to do we agree people will prepare to do what they feel is important to them (laughs) i talked with well let me say it this way i know a pastor (laughs) i know a pastor who recently was accepted into a doctoral program Um, while he is excited he's a bit overwhelmed (laughs) it's because the program comes with a great demand for preparation uh, he, he's going to have to take classes, so he knows he has to prepare. Uh, he's going to have a ton of books to read, so he knows he's got to prepare. He's going to have to write papers, so he knows he's going to have to prepare. Toward the end of the program, he's going to have a project that he's got to do, so he knows he's got to prepare. And he knows he's going to have to write a dissertation to complete the program. Well, if you don't know what a dissertation is, it's a book to finish the program. So he knows he has to prepare. All of this will be on top of the duties that he has to prepare for for church. And in addition to his responsibilities to his family, he has to prepare for. So he knows he's got to prepare now we may ask why why put himself through all of this and his answer is simple he says he has faith that when it's all over that he will be better prepared to lead his family and the church where he serves to live for Christ in this dark world that we're living in So he understands that he has to prepare. He has a faith that is moving him to prepare. While looking at chapter 11 in the book of Hebrews, we've learned that if we're going to continue in his steps, that it will involve continuing to live by faith. We've learned that we're We are to live by the principles of faith. And we are to live in the power of faith. And we've also learned that there is a faith that pleases God. And today, I'd like for us to notice that if we're going to continue in his steps, that we must know that there's a faith that prepares. A faith that prepares. The life and ministry of Noah is a great example of a faith that prepares. Look with me here in verse 7 of chapter 11 in the book of Hebrews. The Bible says, by faith, 
being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Now, this is God's holy word. God, we've come to you today thanking you and praising you for this day that you've given us. We thank you, God, that we can look to your word and your word gives us so much truth. And God, we thank you for the faith that you give us. For God, each man has been given a measure of faith. And we know that when we exercise the faith, the faith grows. But our faith in faith means nothing. Our faith in Jesus Christ means everything. So now, God... We pray that you would move and minister this day. Help us understand that that a faith that pleases you is a faith that prepares. So God, now speak to our hearts through this message. And we'll praise you for all that's accomplished. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. You know, Noah's line his life is something that's very familiar to many of us who've been in church for any length of time Noah we know Noah lived in a time or in a world that was filled with wickedness sexual immorality was running rampant the Bible tells us in Genesis 2 on Genesis 6 and 2 that the sons of God saw the daughters of men and they were beautiful and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. Now we may wonder, well, what's so wicked about men taking wives? Well, we have to understand that godliness and wickedness cannot coexist. The descendants of Adam and Eve went in two different directions. We understand that Cain killed his brother Abel after his worship was rejected by God. And the Bible tells us that God sent him out. And the Bible tells us that he went out into, uh, he went out of the presence of God into a land of Nod. Now, I don't know where that is. All I know is the land of Nod. So, you ever hear me say that, you know, um, someone's gone to the land of Nod? What I'm saying is I have no clue where they're gone, but they're just gone away from the presence of God. But, you know, Adam and Eve had another son. Though Cain had killed Abel, and Cain has now gone out of the presence of God, Adam and Eve had another son. They named him Seth. And when they named him Seth, what we find in Scripture is is that Seth and his um, descendants, they went into the presence of God or they sought the presence of God. So over time, the sons of God, who appear to be the descendants of Seth, uh, took notice of the beautiful daughters of the men, of men who seem to be the descendants of Cain. Do we get that? Where Cain went out of the presence of God, 
Seth was seeking the presence of God. So one was going away from God. The other was uh, coming to God. And now their descendants through time has now come to join together. So you had those who were godly, those who sought God. Now they're marrying those who are ungodly, those who went out of the presence of God. And now here they are coming together. It appears that the sons of God... Those who had served God are now looking at these beautiful women and they're being filled with lust, lust of their eyes and lust of the flesh. And their lust grew stronger than their love for God. So much that they took these women who wanted nothing to do with their God as their wives. Let me stop right there and chase a rabbit. Young girls, young boys, you know in whom you have believed. Watch who you intermarry with because it has nothing to do with race. It's not about that. What it's about is you marrying or you hooking up with someone who doesn't believe the same God that you believe in. It will cause trouble in your life. There's a reason the Bible tells us to not be unequally yoked. Well, well, preacher, you just don't know. God, believe God sent this man to me. If he doesn't love the Lord and you're professing to be a Christian, God didn't send him to you. As a matter of fact, you may find yourself moving away from God because you've connected with someone who doesn't love God. Well, preacher, <laughs> I'm sanctified enough, I'll sanctify him. You know, that scripture is for those who are married and then one gets saved and the other isn't saved. <laughs> and I pray to God that you do. I pray to God that you do. But life and marriage could be so much easier if you start off together, traveling toward the same God. Let me get back to this message. and. Uh, <laughs> You know, these men, they married these women and, and they became so enslaved. Now, get this. We think that men are weak today. <laughs> we think that now over time, men have gotten weak and now their wives are controlling them today. But we're talking about long before Jesus was ever come to this earth. We're talking about before God destroyed the world the first time. These women took their husbands, sons of God, away from God. They became so enslaved to sin and sexual immorality that God warned them that his spirit would not dwell with man always. This warning went unheard, so God was grieved that he made man. The Bible says that he was grieved to his heart. God was so grieved that he purposed to destroy man from the face of the earth. But Noah, but Noah found grace in his sight. Why did Noah find grace in the eyes of the Lord? Well, perhaps it's because Noah looked around and he saw what was happening. And he knew the God of his fathers. The God of his father, the God whom his fathers had called upon. They, he knew that this God could not be pleased. And knowing this, it appears that Noah had a made-up mind to prepare to serve the Lord no matter what was taking place around him. Noah exercised his faith, and his faith led him to prepare to serve the Lord. I wonder, do we ever think about that? With everything, I know we see everything going on around us, 
But are we preparing to have a made-up mind? That no matter what goes on around us, we're just going to serve the Lord. You know, or are we, gonna, are we willing to be influenced by the world? Are we willing to be influenced by all the protests? Are we willing to be influenced by all the politics? Are we willing to be influenced by all the sinfulness that's going on in the world? Or are we just determined we're going to live for Christ no matter what anyone else does? Folks, it's not rocket science. All we have to do is just look around and we can see wickedness in this world. We can see all that the world is trying to influence the church to do and all that the world is influencing the church. The divorce rate in the church is just as high as it is in the world. So that tells us the church is being influenced by the world. And when adultery takes place among God's people... It's because lust of the eyes and lust of the flesh has become, has meant more to that person than the love of God. And this grieves God. We've been instructed in Ephesians 4 and 30 to not grieve the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God by whom we were sealed till the day of redemption. So we must be prepared to exercise our faith in God. And when we are prepared to exercise our faith in God, we're to put our faith into practice. We're to put our faith into practice. We see that's what Noah does. He puts his faith into practice. Noah's faith, uh, Noah told, oh, God told Noah in Genesis 6 and 13, the end of all flesh is before me. For the earth is filled with violence and through them and behold, I will destroy them from the earth. God told Noah to build an ark. And the Bible says in Hebrews 11 and 7 that by faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, was moved with godly fear. He prepared an ark. Noah, despite how it, looked, how it looked to the world around him, he believed God. He believed God would destroy the earth with a flood. Noah didn't know what a flood was. He had, it had never rained. He had never seen water come from the sky. And now you're talking about enough water coming from the sky that's going to destroy the face of the whole world. But by faith, Noah believed God's warning, his warning of the coming judgment, and he prepared to build the ark with godly fear. In other words, with reverence to God. The Bible tells us that God will judge every man, woman, and the earth a second time. This time judgment will come in the form of tribulation. For three and a half years there will be tribulation like the earth has never seen. But after then there will be three and a half years of great tribulation. This tribulation will be so severe that God will have to limit it to just 42 months. Or no one would be spared. The only way to escape this tribulation is to believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. In other words, we must put our faith into practice and by faith we must receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So let me ask us today, knowing that the Bible says that God will execute his judgment upon the face of the earth and knowing that there will be a rapture of the church, a rapture of those who believe and who have received the gospel of Jesus Christ, are we moved with godly fear and reverence? Are we moved to share the gospel? Second Peter 
chapter, uh, chapter 2 declares that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. We don't have no recorded sermon of Noah, but what we have is the Bible says he was a preacher of righteousness in a time when wickedness of man was great upon the face of the earth and every intent and uh, the thoughts of the heart was only evil continually. Lord, uh, Noah preached righteousness and obeyed the Lord by preparing an ark. In this lost and dying world, are we getting caught up, becoming influenced by the world, or are we by faith preparing to love, live, and share the gospel? Folks, we have family, friends, neighbors, and co-workers who have not received Jesus Christ as their Savior. And knowing the truth of God's word, are we moved to put ourselves and our feelings aside and share the gospel. Or are we still going to use the excuse of fear? I don't know how. Or are we going to move with the fear of the Lord and trust him? Are we willing to crucify ourselves daily to live in his steps, to live out the gospel? Are we? Do we love the gospel enough to love those who are unlovable just the way God loved us because we are unlovable? I want to encourage us all to let's put our faith into practice. And prepare to win some for the sake of the gospel. I believe God will be pleased when we prepare. When we prepare or when we have a faith that allows us to prepare. To prepare to put our faith into practice. Because when we put our faith into practice, our faith will be proven. You know, that's what excites me. That's what gives me peace and comfort to know that all of this isn't for nothing. There's coming a day when it's going to be proven. There's coming a day, just like it was with Noah, that they're going to say, he was right. He was right. Noah's faith was proven. In other words, Noah's faith was rewarded. The Bible says that Noah prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Because Noah believed God, his whole house was saved. Noah believed the warning of God about the coming judgment and God saved him and his house. Everyone outside of Noah and his family died and were eternally separated from God. Why? Because they did not believe God's warning about his coming judgment. Matthew Henry, the commentator, said Noah's whole house was saved. Noah's wife and children were blessed to have a godly father, a father who could teach and guide them into truth. Remember that his sons had married. The young ladies who had married them had done so despite the stigma of a family being a God-fearing family in a wicked time. They could have married men of the world, but they chose to join the family of God, identifying themselves with, with the God of God's people. Therefore, God saved them as well as Noah. Noah's faith was vindicated. His faith was proven. The world mocked and ridiculed him for believing that water would fall from the sky. The world laughed while he worked and toiled to build an ark. The world rejected his preaching and was condemned. God judged the world and the world saw Noah had been right the whole time. (laughs) 
Because Noah believed God, his faith was counted to him as righteousness as God sealed him and his family in the ark that he built under God's instruction. So for 2,000 years, a little over 2,000 years, it's been preached that Jesus is coming back. For over 2,000 years, people have been looking for his return. And today, many people are cynical. For after 2,000 years, Jesus still hasn't returned back. People laugh and they mock and they reject us. And I want to encourage us that our redemption draws nigh. Jesus taught in Luke's gospel that men will come in his name to deceive us. Nations will rise up against nations. There will be great earthquakes in various places. Believers will be put in prison. Believers will be hated for his name's sake. Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles. Nature will reveal signs and man will be overcome with fear. We can know now by just that, that passage alone that, that our redemption draws near. We see all of these things happening. And they've been happening for some time. I believe it's just, God's just awaiting. I don't know who it is, and neither do you. But he's awaiting on that one whose name's been recorded that hadn't gotten saved yet. Once they get saved, he's saying, go get my children. He's ready. Everything is taking place. There's nothing. I've said this over and over and over through the years, there's nothing that has to take place today that prevents Jesus coming right now. He's <laughs> what does this mean for us? We must prepare for our faith to soon be proven. I believe soon and very soon the Lord is going to descend with a shout and the voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God's going to sound and the dead in Christ is going to rise and we, if we are alive and we remain, we're going to be caught up and in the moment, the twinkle of an eye, we're going to be changed to be like him. And we'll forever be with him. Yes, yes, our faith will be proven. Folks, let's keep our eyes on the promises of God. For the promises of God are yes, and in him, amen. In Christ Jesus, amen. Our faith will be proven. Folks, I've read the back of the book. <laughs> and it tells us our faith will be proven. For Revelation 21, 1 through 5, John said, I saw a a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. He said, I, John, saw a holy city, a new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. And they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There, <laughs> there shall... And neither shall there be any more pain for the former things have passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. 
I don't know about you, but I'm looking for that day. Vindication will be complete because all things will be made new. And he said, right, for these words are true and these words are faithful. There's coming a day when we will no longer have to live by faith. (laughs) Oh, what a day that will be. Because we'll be living in the presence of our God. Our faith will be proven. So my question today. Do you have a faith that will be proven? As every head's bowed, every eye's closed. There may be some here who doesn't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, who doesn't have a relationship with God through his son who died on an old rugged cross. If you've not placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, today would be a great day to do so. Today, you can begin to put your faith into practice while looking forward to the day that your faith will be proven. So my question is to you today, are you ready? Are you ready to prepare to receive Jesus as your Savior? It's not that difficult. And it's, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe that he died for your sins on an old rugged cross? Do you believe that on the third day he rose from the grave? Do you believe that right now he's at the right hand of the Father? Making intercession for those who have believed in him, do you believe today that he's coming back? And when he comes back, he's coming back as King of kings and Lord of lords. Do you believe this? Oh, if you believe this, that's the hard part. The easy part is that you would confess with your mouth that he is Lord. You confess your sins to him, but you confess with your mouth that he is Lord. Are you willing today? Are you willing today to exercise your faith, to put your faith into practice and have a faith that will be proven? You must, you must come by the cross of Jesus Christ. You must be born again. 